is the Bold Men's Podcast. Sitting around the table today, it's just me and Joe Graves. That's right. Just mano y mano. Mano y mano y mano. No, the other, the other mono's gone. The other mono was gone. <laughs> He's gone. Just two monos <laughs> today. And we are picking up in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, today we're going to be talking through verse uh, chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. Yep. And so listener, uh, pause this recording and then come back and join us. Pause it, read it, and come back and join us. Get on it, guys. And they're back. Boom. Boom. Fantastic. Wonderful. Hey, Paul's been writing in Ephesians, and as we st- we started this up, uh, uh, Joe, kind of walk us through kind of where we've been and where we are today as we look at this. So, uh, Paul, as we've said, is trying to give a bigger picture to the church, and uh, he's writing uh, to all Christians, and he is uh, laying down some groundwork, and it's ultimately pointing toward the unity that we're going to have in Christ. And some of the bigger picture things here, this this book is not dealing with, as we've said before, is not dealing with a problem necessarily, but how to grow in Christ. Talking about where we're at with Christ right now and how we're going to walk with Christ and ultimately how uh, how we end up seated with Christ. So... Um, we're going to get into into it tonight, um, talking about Thanksgiving and prayer in Christ's power. So this was, uh, again, more groundwork. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, real quick, kind of just read through verses 15 through 19, and we're going to, we're going to, going to discuss it, and then 17 through 19, and then 20 through 23. Just okay. take it in three chunks. And uh, go from there. All right? Fantastic. Let's do it. Wonderful. Now, I'll start in verse 15. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. Now that is quite a sentence, isn't it? That's quite a bit. That's quite a bit. There's a lot going on there. Um, First of all, in verse 15, he starts with being thankful and uh, how he is thankful for them since he's heard about them. Now, this may be a funny statement because we brought out uh, before in the book of Acts that he actually went to Ephesus, right? Mm-hmm. So this may, be, it may look confusing to some people. Why would he be thankful for just now hearing about it? Because yeah. he already yeah. knows about their faith. Yeah. Well, I guess it, it kind of depends on how one would read this. Correct. There's no—first, re- you know, this Thanksgiving is—, is Similar to other uh, uh, letters that he's written, where there's a thanksgiving for the people. Think back to our our conversation in Rome. Uh, uh, in the book of Romans, we have a similar thanksgiving at the beginning of that letter as well. And so this is kind of just a standard practice in the day uh, to to start off with. 
I, I don't know if it would be fair to say, well, well, you know. Well, imagine, John. It's an oddball thing. It's not really an oddball thing. No, it's not. Not really. Imagine that you have planted a church in North Africa, and you go off back home, and 10 or 15 years later, you get word back, hey, these guys are doing great. Their faith is growing in Christ. You would write this letter back to that church in North Africa. Man, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, uh, that I've given thanks for you always. That's what I would liken this to. Yeah. But he's gotten a good report about this church. We also have a glimpse there of the of the global picture of what the church is. Yes. Uh, you know, compare this to Romans, for example, where he talks about, you know, his thankfulness for the church at Rome. But we know that he didn't plant the church in Rome, right? He didn't start that as he did with Ephesus. And so it's a little different, uh, but he's still thankful for their success and for the the growth of their faith and their reputation amongst the world. He's thankful for that, and so he's kind of bragging on it. And it should kind of challenge us to um, to be open-handed with thankfulness for other Christians and other That's, churches as well. Yeah, so we think about what is the role of thankfulness yeah. in a Christian's life. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I feel like a lot of churches have gotten a bad rap <laughs> because they have been so down and so solemn and just, you know— uh, not much thankfulness at all yeah. in their yeah. church. And you yeah. see this, and it drags a congregation down over time. Oh, sure. And and dying, it's like a chokehold yeah. on the church. And we're, I think some of that comes out of no joy in their life, that they don't know the joy of the Holy Spirit, and, and therefore thankfulness doesn't flow out of that joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but here, Paul is freely giving his thankfulness for this church. And uh, the fact that this church has got a good reputation goes a long way. You know, what reputation do we have as a church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that needs to be. You, well, well I, the way we interact with the world impacts that reputation. Absolutely. Right? And that reputation can change. And it, so, On a dime. It yeah. doesn't matter what you did yesterday, but I'm what sure. you do today. Yeah, yeah. So... To some extent, you're only as good as your, yeah. your next mission or whatever. I, I mean, along with that, though, our concern shouldn't be our reputation unless the things that we're known for does not make doesn't make Jesus look good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you shaming Christ? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and you're right. It doesn't matter what we look like in people's eyes. But when I stand in front of the Lord, That's my right. reputation to the Lord is yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. As ambassadors for him, That's right. we have a responsibility. Paul was an apostle of Jesus uh-huh. Christ, mm-hmm. therefore Christ rep- yeah. representative on earth. And him being him saying, hey, you've got a good reputation, and I'm yeah. thankful to the Lord for it. Yeah. That goes a long way. Yeah. I want my Savior to look at me when I stand in front of him one day and say, well done. Yeah. And here's the thing, we already do that, though, right? Like those yes. of us who claim Christians, 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 you know, little Christs, the way I live my life impacts directly Christ. I'm taking his name as my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a, a, a reality we need to be reminded of pretty often. So, um, yeah, absolutely. We We need to keep that in the forefront of our minds, so... Moving forward here, Paul in verse 17, he uh, continues by saying that he prays that God, he, he starts this prayer, he starts enumerating what his prayer is, right? So uh, 
Look at some of the things he prayed for. Uh, the, of course, he gives the full Trinity right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something noteworthy. Um, he mentions all three persons of the being, the single being God, right here in one passage. Uh, it's It would good, be good to take note of that he is praying to God here. Yeah. Uh, that the spirit of wisdom would be one thing that is enjoined, the and a revelation of knowledge in him, right? So there's two things there, very important. The spirit which will give wisdom. We have to realize there is nothing we possess, nothing that we have that will bring honor to God. It is Christ that will bring honor to God through us. All that wisdom, all that knowledge, all this stuff, unless it comes through the Holy Spirit, it is nothing. Uh, and Paul here is praying for the church to receive that. Also, he prays that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened. He says he wants them to know the hope of his calling. Yeah, eyes of the heart. It's very interesting language, right? It's well, imagery here. Yeah. Uh, the, the windows to the soul, right? The 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 idea that your soul needs enlightenment in Christ. Yeah, yeah. I I think the the, the word that's used there in verse seventeen, the revelation. Let's see, uh, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, mm-hmm. having the eyes of your hearts open. The word for revelation that's translated revelation is apocalypso. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the idea of something outside of this world. Bursting in, you know what I mean, right? I mean, this is what he's praying for here is for God's power to continue to work in you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Not con- it's not contingent on me. It's what God is doing and has yeah. done, and it's con- got to continue to do. It's yeah. The idea is that it's unfolding in your life as you go forward. Yeah, there's a revelation that is unfolding, and what will you become? Yeah. Right? Yeah. W- what is that revelation going to be? Mm-hmm. We don't know until we get there. Yeah. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a fellow today that is uh, taking his first steps with Christ, and you know, I, I told him it's not about that you're going to stop doing what's wrong and try to start doing what's right. It's that you're going to allow Christ to begin doing that work within you. There's soul work that has to be done. There's work that Christ needs to do within you. And this is what he's talking about here, this revelation that your eyes or your heart may be enlightened. Um, look what else he says, the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the, sta- in the saints. We talked about this inheritance, that we have an inheritance in future glory when, sal- when we will indeed at one point in the future be saved indeed. Mm-hmm. That yeah. there's this inheritance that, that we gain, and that inheritance is eternal life. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Something that was unobtainable to even Abraham. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, and that salvation is one of those things where it's, it's, it's has happened, is happening, is, and will happen. Yes. You know, it's past, present, and future tense. Uh, and I love that. You know, we're saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. And that's, yeah. and that's uh, again, part of this prayers, you know, that, you know, the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints, it's us, you know. The immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And what is that immeasurable power that he's talking about? What is that power? Well, I mean, part of it is the, is tied to that uh, inheritance and the that's salvation right. that's possible. How right? can a man be saved? 
That was the question from the Garden of Eden on. Yeah. That was the original plan of God. How can I get these people in perfect unison with me? Yeah. And he, he knew that the Garden of Eden wasn't going to last. Mm-hmm. You know, there had to be a plan for the future and bringing people back in. And it took God's yeah. bare arm, you know, bare, his, his bare arm. And it wasn't just the finger work of God, which was the creation. It was the bare arm of God to bring about sal- salvation. Mm. The idea is he bore his flesh. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is amazing. Uh so we we see the beginning prayer that he has some designs that he wants the saints to achieve, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so picking up in verse 20, because it's going to be— uh, and, again, and again, it's all about what God has done, right? And he yeah. points back in verse 20 then uh, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. You know, this is all. You know, this is all possible inheritance that you and I look forward to. Our salvation, everything is tied directly to what God has done, not to what we've done. Right? Mm-hmm. It's all through what God has done through Christ and the Christ event, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And so, in verse twenty, it just points back to what God has accomplished in Christ, how He. Raised him from the dead, and in raising him from the dead, vindicated him as the Christ, as the Messiah. That's right. The one who sets us free, who gives us the freedom uh, uh, from sin and the slavery of sin, uh, so that we can be free to not sin, as we talked about in in, yes. in Romans. So he exercised his power. Mm-hmm. It's far above every ruler and authority, and power and dominion, and every title given. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. You know, his his power is so much beyond mm-hmm. what we can even comprehend. I feel a little silly even trying to talk about it. But suffice it to say that it was enough to bring me to salvation and mm-hmm. you to salvation. Yeah. Uh, how can we understand this power? How can we even begin to to grasp to wrap our hands around that. And it's one of those things where, why me? Why would he choose me? Why would he choose you, John Welch? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the answer to that is, while we don't have the, we don't have the clear answers to that, what we do have is the, is the clear understanding of the reality as, that it, the, the reality that actually is. And that is God in his power has done all this. And I think that's what Paul's, point in all this is is the power of God uh, revealed, the power of God made manifest through Christ and what he's accomplished through Christ. And so our step, Joe, as we live trying to be faithful husbands and fathers, uh, our job is to is to understand reality around us as it actually is. Yeah. And that means we have to understand that we're not saving. <laughs> we're not saving anyone. We're That's not... Right. Is it saving ourselves? We're not good guys. As much as yeah. I like to think that I'm a good, pretty good guy from time to time, I need to understand that I'm not a good guy. I'm not deserving of salvation. Yeah. The, everything that I cling to is uh, is God at work, right? The reality is uh, God is who brings about salvation, who reveals salvation, who, who, who lived the perfect life through Christ, who rose him from the grave, 
who 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 offers that inheritance through his 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 sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And, and at the resurrection, then in verse twenty one and twenty two, mm-hmm. uh, gave him all authority and power and dominion over every name, the name that is above every other name. So, what is the significance of the resurrection? Why is Paul mentioning it here? I I find this an interesting point because if we don't realize that the work on the cross, yes, it was finished. The pay payment for sin was complete, but I think a lot of people don't realize the importance and, and of the resurrection. If yeah, if it if it if it, if it was over at, at the at the death of Jesus, then there's no hope for us, right? Absolutely. The fact that Jesus died on the cross doesn't make much of a difference. The fact that he rose from the grave is is the catalyst for the new life. That's that's the threshold that we need to look at, and so it's not. That's why I mean, a lot of churches celebrate Good Friday, and I understand that. Um, but our 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 hope is Easter. Our hope morning. is Easter morning. It is. You know it it I mean? is the hope for the future because without that, none of us were raising. That's right. It was all over in the grave, and you'd be a disembodied spirit. Yeah. Sanctified. You know, you you would be made righteous by Christ. Yeah. But you would never raise. There yeah. would never be life well, yeah. again. You would just be, yeah. you know. There'd be nothing to look forward to. Yeah. As, as Paul says. No inheritance. In, what is it in Corinthians? He says, if Christ is not uh, raised from the grave, we're to be pitied more than most. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So so, so it, it, it's all about the resurrection, the resurrection power that has set us free, that has enabled us to live a new life, that's enabled the Ephesian church here to to explode and to, and to butt out new growth. And it's the same. That's uh, op, that's an option for us here. Yes. Today. Yeah. Absolutely. The idea of the resurrection is you plant a seed in the ground. That seed dies, but the seed springs to life, and a new thing comes out of it. And that is the power of God. The power of God brings our dead, corrupt, wicked flesh from carnal to a new life. No less a body, no no less physically a real body, but we will be alive in Christ again, just like that seed when it grows up is a thriving young plant yeah. planted in great soil. That's what we will be in Christ. Yeah. I, I love that, that, that imagery, and it took God's power to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 22, he subjected everything under his feet. A quote again from Psalm 8.6. Uh, he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything. Uh, in this age and in the age to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, which is the body fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Yeah. So we see this unity, right? We, we start to see this supremacy of Christ uh, and how perfect he is and how wonderful. We see Christ as the head of the church, right? And, and yeah. this is Paul laying it out in a, in a prayer format saying that because we are the body of Christ, that Christ is going to fulfill his word in us. That's the idea. It, it, it's hard, it's hard to, to put into words, but... Um, well, think, think about this, the, the, the importance of understanding Christ as supreme in all things. <laughs> um, it's one of those things that like, we, we all like to say, oh, yeah, I, I believe and trust in God for everything. Uh, but <laughs> you know, and then we have these little caveats or whatever, right? No. Like this weekend I, or uh, the earlier today, I was working on my message for this next Sunday, 
on the next two Sundays, I'm preaching about marriage. And, um, and I think we would all like to say like, yeah, like I want a good marriage. Uh, uh, I think I, no no one gets married and says, "Yeah, I hope my marriage yeah, sucks." Man, I want right? this thing to tank. Yeah. So, so we all want that <laughs> to happen. And as Christian men, we say, "Well, I know in order for my marriage to be good, I've got to put Christ as the centerpiece of it." Uh, but often, that's where it stops. You know what I mean? Right. There's no action. The supremacy of Christ. If we really understand that, that navigates to every area of life, not just our men's Bible study, but also yeah. our marriages and our parenting and all that stuff. Like Christ who is above all things, who we are co-heirs with. Like that's yeah. huge. Like, do, like men, do if you we want, recognize the supremacy yeah. of Christ? Do Is he supreme in our life? Yeah. We like to say he is, but we do like we really it. make it that way? You know Does what I mean? Does it prove itself out in your actions and in, in your life? Yeah. yeah. I'm not asking, are you perfect? Sure. Yeah. We, that, yeah. That's beyond question. You know, we we know we're not perfect. Yeah. I'm asking, are you taking the steps daily to put Christ first in your life? Yeah. Are you spending time with Christ? Are you spending time in His Word? Are you praying? Are you doing the basics? Where are you it gets ch- very practical, right? Like, yes. like, like, is Christ supreme in my marriage? Sure. Wonderful. You, you know what I've learned, Joe? I, I don't know. You know this about me because you know me pretty well. I'm a pretty selfish guy. All right. Aren't so, we all? so, so, Joe, do you know how hard it is to be selfish when you've got to pray to the Lord about it every day? <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, do you know how hard it is to to be selfish in your marriage if if you if you are constantly aware of Christ's presence in your marriage if you are focusing on christ you're not focusing on yourself yeah it changes everything it does you know brother lawrence are you familiar with that name yes 15th century monk yes right practicing the presence of christ is what what he did and uh 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 he he, that's a neat story but uh um the the whole idea is in, in all things you keep christ as the supreme thought in your mind yeah right that's that's kind of what he yeah he, he exercised that day and night, right? Yeah, he, yeah. he was kind of all about that. When, uh, when we do that in our lives, when we when we do that, man, when we when we again, it's calling reality as it really is, acknowledging reality as it really is. Joe, whether or not I I acknowledge Christ as supreme, he's still supreme. It doesn't matter. <laughs> all these people but, trying to, and this is relevant to today, yeah, right? Because all these people that are trying to say, well, that's your reality, yeah. No, well, it no, it, it's it, reality. It, it doesn't matter what my reality or your yeah. reality is. There is a reality, mm-hmm. and that is Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so it comes down to do you, do you do you want a better life? Do do you want a better marriage? Do you want a better church? Do you want a better you know spiritual life? Do you do you want it to improve? And if so, then it starts off with the first step here as we pick as we finish up chapter one. Is to acknowledge the supremacy of Christ. Tap into the supremacy of Christ yeah. in your life. Listen, I mean, I don't in a in danger of sounding a little like Joel Osteen there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Indeed, the supremacy of Christ is where it starts, and His bodily resurrection. Understand reality as it actually is, man. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't don't be blinded. Mm-hmm. Don't have that blind spot in your life. Know the hope of His calling. Yep. Know the rich inheritance. And know his great power in your life, guys. Absolutely. And that's that's where we're at today. Yeah.
Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today to the Bold Men's Podcast. Join us every Monday night in person at 6 o'clock at 104 Court Street at the Hub Building in Cynthia. Oh, or you can follow us here on, on uh, the Leesburg Bold Men's Podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to Joe Graves. He's got all the answers. I, I'm, I know somebody like John Welch who can answer him. God bless. Take care. <laughs> Be bold. <laughs>